Today we start into Jonah chapter 3. I'll read starting at 2.10 and read up through halfway through verse 3 of chapter 3. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would have your word enter into our minds and hearts and not be void. We thank you for it, Lord. It transformed us once into a, a being that had new life, a new life sprung from dead. And yet we pray, Lord, that you would continue to have your word uh, spring to life in us, that we would not grow uh, jaded in our approach to it, but that we would always appreciate it and treasure it. In Christ's name we pray and give you thanks. Amen. So, I should recap since it's been that long. And uh, I want to begin with just the obvious. Jonah was commanded by God to go to Nineveh. He disobeyed. He ran away. And yet, out of love for Jonah, God chased after him. And he chased after him with that storm that... Uh, nearly destroyed the ship that the sailors were on. Now, the sailors demonstrated more rationality, more fear of God, more respect for human life than Jonah did. And it was, I believe, intended to shame Jonah. They reluctantly threw him into the sea, and yet then they were amazed when the sea immediately grew calm as they saw that fish swallow Jonah. So we learned also that God did not save Jonah by having that fish swallow him. He preserved him. He preserved him until such a time as Jonah humbled himself and prayed to God for salvation. And then God saved him. And we didn't talk about that, but that was in 2.10. That's why I began with it. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I think there's a whole sermon in the fact that the Lord spoke to the fish. That's really cool but I'm not going to even address it today. It's just something maybe for the future. So, today we begin with chapter 3, verses 1, 2, 3, and it's an obvious corollary or parallel with chapter 1, verse 1, 2, 3. So I want to walk you through those parallels. 1, 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. 3, 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying. So you can see there's a similarity and a difference. And let me go through them first, and then I'll point them all out. One, two. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Three, two. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. One, three. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 3.3. Three. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So obviously this is intended to illustrate the difference in what was commanded, what was, uh, what was done in response to God's command. Now, I believe we focus only on the difference in how Jonah reacted. But I believe there is at least as substantial a difference in how God treats Jonah. And so let me point that out to you. 
in 1.1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. He's introduced, Jonah, the son of Amittai. In 3.1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So the emphasis is upon the fact that this was necessary again. It shouldn't have to be necessary for God to give us that second command. But yet here, obviously, it was. God spoke to Jonah the second time. And so I read in that a mild rebuke of Jonah. In the first, he's honored, the son of Amittai. He's introduced, you know, formally, this is the man. And yet here, it's a mild rebuke in saying that this, this is having to happen again. In verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now this, I believe, is really interesting. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, same so far, and preach to it the message that I tell you. There are two differences here that I want you to see. First, God does not tell Jonah why again. In the first instance, he says, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, to whom does God have to give a reason for his actions? Nobody. And yet, in the first instance, he trusts Jonah. He gives Jonah this information that Jonah didn't need to know, but yet he is honoring Jonah with these words. And there's a second difference. Cry out against it, he's, he's commanded. Jonah is commanded, cry out against it. And what is the command in 3.2? Preach to it the message that I tell you. What's taken away from Jonah in the second is his own initiative, his own message. In the first, it says, cry out against it. And yet in the second, it says, preach to it the message that I tell you. Now, it's so sad when I look at people that comment on this because they are quick to point out that Jonah's message isn't really all that special. Eight words, repent. Yet, they do not recognize or acknowledge the fact that this is God's message. It's not Jonah's message at all. He's only saying exactly what he was told to say. And so people that sometimes interpret the Bible, they just don't do due diligence. They don't study it. They don't comment on what's obviously true. They're just going, I guess, with their own assumptions about things. But here it's obvious that God is hemming Jonah in. He's telling him, you will do this and no more. And then the third difference, 1-3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So he is obeying the command, but in the first, he's fleeing God's presence. And in the second, it really doesn't speak of God's presence. Jonah is obeying. Is he obeying from the heart? If you know Jonah, you know what happens. No, he's not obeying from the heart, but he is obeying. And so we have to give him credit for that. What he's doing is right. He's just not doing it in the right way with the right mindset. Now, I want to point out some things here. First, and I've already drawn the, your attention to this, God extends grace to Jonah, right? We know that. He saved him. That's grace. God has granted forgiveness implicitly to Jonah based on having saved him from that fish, from the belly of that fish. God has implicitly forgiven him. But 
the relationship that Jonah had with God before is no more. God doesn't trust Jonah now. He has forgiven him the sin against him, but he doesn't extend the same level of trust to him that he did initially. This is very important because oftentimes when people are forgiven of their sin, they expect to resume the relationship they had with the person they sinned against with the same level of trust. It's unwarranted. They do not deserve to have that expectation. And they are offended often when they're not extended to trust. They have to earn it back. Now, oftentimes, we'll trust people without even knowing them. But that's a naive trust, right? That's just a trust based on that normally people can be trusted for the things that we are relying upon them for. But let them let you down. And then you proceed with caution. You have to. It's wisdom. God is giving you wisdom. Now, God extended forgiveness to Jonah. We must extend forgiveness to Jonah. But God limited his trust of Jonah beyond that point. And so we have every reason to do likewise. In chapter 1, he trusted him with independent action. Jonah was free to give his own message, bring a cry against it. God is assuming that Jonah knows exactly what God would have to tell them. Now, through grace, God is weaning Jonah away from selfishness and from self-centeredness. Do you see what I mean by that? In other words, he is continuing to pour out grace in Jonah's life, yet constraining the relationship, forcing Jonah to prove that God can trust him. We do the same thing with people all the time. It is necessary. It is important. It's how we need to act with one another. So I ask you this morning, does God trust you? This is a table of forgiveness. You come here, partake of this. This is God's grace to you. But by it, he is extending his promise to you to be with you, yet the trust must grow. Are you doing all God wants you to do in the weeks following our partaking with the grace that he has given? That's the question. We don't always do that, do we? We don't always pursue God and honor the commitments we've made to him. And so, yes, he continues to pour out his grace. He intends to wean us away from our selfishness and our self-absorption and make us more like him, more in emulating him as his children. Yet, it just doesn't happen like that. So, see, there's more to Christianity than the free gift of grace and forgiveness. We love that. It's an essential starting point. But yet, as Christians, we must grow in our responsibility. We must come to a point where God trusts us. And that trust is just deepened and deepened. And we do not disappoint. We do not renege on our commitments to him. So, as we come to the table today, let's uh, enjoy God's grace, his patience with us, and yet, let's commit to be trustworthy children. Father, we do thank you for this lesson from the life of Jonah. We see, Lord, that you model for us what true forgiveness and what true restoration of a relationship is, that your word is so filled with such good examples, and yet, Lord, please give us wisdom to mind them out and to apply them in our lives. 
We thank you, Father. Be with us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.